0: Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, we're taking a break from Mark. Uh, if, you're, if you've been with us, you know we've been reading through Mark, and uh, we're taking a break about five weeks to go through the Psalms, which gives us an, a great opportunity to kind of bounce around and look for things that the Lord is putting on our hearts to be able to share with you guys. The Psalms in general are an anthology of poem, songs, and prayers to God. They ran a gambit of emotions. Uh, there's highs and lows all through the Psalms. Certain, some of us look through the Psalms and find some of our favorite, most inspirational verses in there. Uh, but there's also a lot of lament. Lament is, is uh, expressions of sorrow and grief. There's tons of it. Uh, it climaxes at Psalm 80. I'm going to read this lament psalm before we get into ours, uh, just to give you an impression on how the Psalms really take you through the highs and lows of life. Psalm 80, this is how it ends. O oh Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up. I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me. Darkness is my only friend. And that's how the psalm ends. I'm telling you guys that because this is what they're teaching the kids in children's ministry right now. You should go get them. Could you imagine, like, what'd you learn? Um, Darkness is my only friend. That's not what they're teaching. My wife's in charge of children's ministry. She wouldn't do that to us. Uh, That psalm ends in darkness, but the psalms in general, they do not end in darkness. They end in praise, and a lot of praise. I'm going to read our verse again today, and we're going to have it up on the screen. Uh, Do me a favor and count the amount of times that you see the word praise come up. Psalm 150. This is the last verse in all the Psalms. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Every, every, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How many, how many times? Anybody catch that? 13, that's right. 13 times in six verses. All but one of, verse, one of the verses starts with the word praise, and the one verse that doesn't start with the word praise still has it in there two times. The whole of Psalms is an anthology of praise to God. The Psalms are full of life and death, hope and hurt, triumph and defeat, doubt and faith. And in the end, at the end of all of it, the prophet poet praises God. I've summarized this morning's sermon down to one sentence and seven words. He is worthy of all our praise. Let's say that together. He is worthy of all our praise. Thank you. Uh, praise means adore or to boast about or to cheer over. Now, I Chris, Chris mentioned I was an atheist uh, through the last two years of high school and most of my college days. And, uh, I mean, thinking back on that time, like hearing verses like this when I first became a Christian, it was hard for me to swallow. Like God is commanding us to praise him. That's, that's difficult for me to swallow uh, back then. I thought that when I read these verses, what God was saying is, what would make me happy is if you said something nice about me. But this is what I realized. That's not what God is saying. That's not what the command to praise God is about. God is not a human being. You see, when we ask for praise as humans, we're all humans in here, when we ask for praise, it's either because we want to be affirmed, which is good and healthy, or if we're a megalomaniac, we're looking for power and control over people, right? For some of us, praise is our love language. When someone tells us something nice about us, we, uh, it, it fills us with joy, and that's good. That's a nice thing. We, we receive something. We receive love when someone says something nice to us. For megalomaniacs, praise, demanding praise from his followers is a way for them to have power or control over that person. These are not the reasons why God commands praise. God is not up in heaven like, dude, this like whole creation thing is way harder than I thought it was going to be. Can someone write a nice song and sing it to me? Like That's, that's not God. God gains nothing from us praising him. When we praise, we get something out of it. God needs our praise like we need the praise of a spider. There's nothing to be had. He's the creator of the universe. He sustains it in the palm of his hands. He is not asking for lowly human beings to praise him because he's lonely. We praise because he is worthy of praise. He's not a megalomaniac. He's not a fallible human being. He is the supreme being he is God. He is the God of love and life and joy. The natural reaction to knowing a God like that is to praise God. Praise comes natural to us. This is what I didn't realize. We praise all the time. We're all in the process of praise. When we like something, we think it's good and we praise it. There's nothing unusual about this. Life is filled with adoration towards things. Let me put it like this. I love Bear Coast Coffee. Bear Coast Coffee is the best coffee in Orange County. I know some of you are Bodie Leafers or Hidden Housers. I love you. You're in sin. Repent. <laughs> kidding. Bear Coast Coffee is great coffee. I wear Bear Coast Coffee shirts all the time. And uh, every now and then, someone will, I'll be at a different coffee shop. This is like proof. I'm at a different coffee shop, and the bracelet will be like, dude, that's my favorite coffee shop. I'm like, yeah, I know. I've been trying to tell people at my church that. The point is, is like when I hear people praise or admire Bear Coast, I join them in that. That makes sense to me. It's, it's well-deserved. They work hard. They make a great cup of coffee. When someone says Bear Coast is good coffee, it's a good thing. <laughs> I have a friend who is is an award-winning chef. Um, He's uh, actually, some of you know him. Uh, He was on Chopped, he won Chopped, he won Iron Chef of America. Before he took his current job, he was kind of poised as being the next great Michelin chef. Now he's a professor at a culinary school. Uh, The Jamesons actually took classes with them, so if you want good food, have the Jamesons make you food. They can make good food. They're holding out on us, guys. Don't let them do that anymore. Here's the thing, he's coming to California, we're in San Diego together, and like I line up all these really good steakhouses and I'm like thinking, oh, I'm gonna like impress this guy. He gets off the plane and he's like, dude, all I want is just like a dirty street taco. We spent four days just traveling around hole-in-the-wall restaurants in, in, in San Diego eating delicious food. And he pointed out that when, when critics of food get overly pretentious, uh, they miss out on all the good, authentic stuff that's out there. Like a food critic would walk into a hole-in-the-wall taco shop. They would see the decor. They'd see like, the people serving food, and they wouldn't order anything. They'd leave. They'd miss out. What I'm trying to say is that God is like that great taco in the sky, I'm just kidding. That's blasphemy. I would never say that. Don't quote me on social media. Although if you did, it'd be pretty funny. Here's my point. I was, I was that critic. My small view of God was preventing me from enjoying God, from praising God. And here's the thing. When we don't praise him, he loses out on nothing, but we lose everything. C.S. Lewis put it like this. Not to appreciate God would be to have lost the greatest experience and in the end to have lost all. Think of the incomplete and crippled lives of those who are tone deaf, those who have never been in love, never known true friendship, never cared for a good book, never enjoyed the feel of morning air on their cheeks. These are faint images of never having praised God. Which brings me to our second point this morning. Praise is good for us. We've been talking about praise as a way of complimenting, uh, of approving of something that is good or giving attention to something that's well-deserved. But there's something else to consider, too. We praise the things that we enjoy most. Our, Our natural reaction when there's something that brings us joy and happiness is that that kind of bubbles over into praise. Right, like when you watch a good movie or you read a good book or you hear a great song, like you you say something about it. You go and you tell a friend. Praise is an expression of eternal joy. My wife and I, we love food. We're foodies. I've been talking a lot about food this morning. I'm hungry. I didn't eat breakfast. My wife and I love food. Uh, we, we love finding fun new restaurants. Some of you guys have been invited on double dates with us to go to these restaurants. Like, that's what we do. We go by ourselves, we find a great new spot, then we invite our friends to come with us to those things. And when they come and they eat the food, and they're like, that is really good. We're like, yeah, I know, that's really good. This is us praising together. In that same way, when we praise God, we invite others in on that praise with us so that they join us in that. One more C.S. Lewis quote for the day. Just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? The psalmist, in telling everyone to praise God, are doing what all men do when they speak of the things that they care about. You see, praising God isn't about his joy. It's about our joy. Now, there are many ways in which we can praise God, but Psalm 150 is specifically talking about two ways. It's talking about song and dance. Let's look at verses three and five again. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Okay, King's Cross family been with you a while. I love you guys. You know I love you. People who are here visiting, we love you. We're glad you're here. We planted this church for the glory of God and the good of our neighbors and our hope that you would feel welcomed here. If you're not a Christian and you're exploring faith right now, man, we're super glad you're here. We planted this church for you. Right now, what I'm going to do is this next this next kind of section of this morning is really for my King's Cross family. You're, you're like at the dinner table with us. There's spaghetti. Enjoy the spaghetti. We're going to have a family talk. You're welcome to listen. King's Cross family, uh, I want to be real with you guys. My hope and prayer throughout this whole week of preparing Psalm 150 is that this verse would light a fire in our bellies in the way that we would praise and sing to God on worship on Sundays. Like the truth of who God is and what he has done with us needs to seep down from our head to our hearts It's not even something that I want. This is something that God is clearly asking of us from Psalm 150. God wants us to overflow with praise and joy for him. My fear is that we, I, will be perpetually stunted in my love and knowledge for God, in my understanding of who he is in my worship for him, in my joy in life, if I can't overflow with praise the way that the prophet poet is praising God in Psalm 150. And I like we, we come from different backgrounds. I spent a number of years at a church where, not intentionally, but maybe unintentionally, this type of praise, the praise that would cause you to move and sing, that type of praise was kind of shunned. Like, if you did that, people were a little bit worried about you. Like, if you moved a little too much, like, the elders were, like, on the ear mics, like, I don't, I think he's on ecstasy, I'm not sure. (laughs) We've almost been taught that God doesn't want our spontaneous joy, but (laughs) that's not true. God wants our head and our heart. The psalmist is telling us to praise with voice, to praise with their bodies, Like, I love theology. Theology is studying the things of God. We nerd out on theological books. Chris and I, in the 15 years we've known each other, have spent countless hours talking about theology until 2 a.m. One of the first times Brian and Seitz and I hung out, we were at his house until 2 a.m. Scott Wilson, his bedtime's like 7 p.m., but we've had a lot of lunches where we would talk about theology. (laughs) Here's the thing, though. If my theology doesn't make me overflow with praise and joy to God, then my theology is shallow, like something's not clicking. And I'm not, I'm not talking about emotionalism here. Emotionalism is emotions for the sake of emotions. We're not here to get high on the idea of God. I've been to church services where like it's time for music and everyone like throws the chairs aside and runs to the front of the stage and they're like raging, like mosh pit raging and there's laser lights and it's smoke screens and I'm reading the lyrics and I have no idea what the song is about. Like the band is just trying to stir emotion. That's not what we're talking about here. That's not what the psalmist is talking about. What the psalmist is talking about is knowing and seeing and believing in God and then overflowing in praise and worship because of who he is and what he has done for us. There's this great story in 2 Samuel about King David. This is like... Manly man, King David, like, slayed Goliath, led armies to victory, has an incredible empire, like, manly man, okay? He's out in the courtyard and he's excited about God and he is singing and he is dancing and he's ripped his shirt off and he's sweaty and he's acting a fool. And his wife is up in the castle looking down like this, idiot. So he comes back into the castle and she's like, Look at you, you've disgraced yourself. You're the king and you're out there acting like a fool. And this is King David's response in Second Samuel. It was for the Lord who chose me. I will dance before the Lord, and I will dishonor myself and humble myself even more. Basically, he was like, dude, I don't care if I look dumb. Call me a fool. God is worthy of my praise. So here's the thing. If, if you're like me and you feel like maybe you haven't been given permission to praise him, this is it. As a family, as a King's Cross family, like we, man, we can praise him. God, in his kindness, has ordained music to be good, which is why we praise him in song. Since the beginning, of man in every culture throughout every part of human history, music has played a vital role. It's, it affects us in a unique way. I mean, if you think about it, like you, you will not sing my sermon this week, but you might find yourself in the car singing some of the songs that we sing today. God uses music to connect our head and our hearts. We learn through music in a unique way. But here's the other thing that music does, especially when we sing together. It connects us closer together as a family when we sing, it knits us together. Like soccer fans in Europe, they start chanting music at the pub. Then they walk to the soccer stadium, they're chanting music. They get into the soccer stadium, they're chanting music. They're watching the game, they're chanting. They're like sleeping the next day chanting the music. And that knits them closer together. Armies would chant songs before going to war to build themselves up and prepare for battle. When we unite our voices as a family, God does something unique. He unites us, He bonds us together as a community. This is the reason why we have uh, cultivated a, a liturgy, a system of worship here that is meant to be collaborative. Like you don't come and this isn't a one way stage. It's not Joe, for example, it's not Joe just singing to us and praising, he is leading us to praise. It shouldn't be Joe's voice is the only voice that we hear. He's leading us to join him in worship. I love your voice, Joe. But like, Michaela's like, how dare you? I want to hear his voice. <laughs> our liturgy and our rhythm of church is meant to be collaborative. Joe sings and we join. He's inviting us to sing I love our friends uh, in the black church. Uh, I got a good friend Jeremiah. We were in Germany with him recently, and we're sitting there singing, and this dude is like going nuts. He's praising God, he's pumping his fist, he's singing hallelujah. He's like dancing. And this is like this is during announcements, basically. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He he it was amazing. It was beautiful. And he invites by doing that, it like warms us up and invites us into praising with him. Now here's the thing. We don't all have to look like Jeremiah, my friend, or King David. Nobody wants you to take your shirt off. I don't want us to fake it. I want the truth of who God is and what he has done for us to sink in. Praising God in in song and dance will look different for all of us. For some of us, that's moving our bodies. For others, it's singing at a key. Mom, you're welcome to join us, singing at a key. (laughs) She knows. It's cool. For others, it's as small as tapping a foot. Listen, I'm not telling you how to praise. Here's what I'm saying. Whatever it looks like for you to overflow with praise to God, just do that. Like no pressure, to do anything more. Just overflow with praise and joy to the Lord. Our psalm ends with verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The chapter's ending with an invitation, an invitation to us. The psalmist is looking at God and he's like, he's he's big. And he's saying, praise God, praise the Lord, praise him in his mighty greatness, praise him in his kingdom. And then he's looking back and he's inviting us to join him in that praise. He's saying, praise the Lord with me. And that's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna praise God in a way that is a true testament to how great he is. If you're here this morning and you've never known praise like this, like I said earlier, we're glad you're here. When you see us praise, it's not just emotionalism. It's because we know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's because God lovingly created us in his own image for our own good and his glory. It's because we recognize ourselves as a community in need of grace and we found it. We know that we are broken and lonely creatures and in God's kindness he humbled himself to become a man, lived and loved perfectly, and then in a twist that nobody expected, the God of all creation laid down his life for his creation. We praise because of the cross which is not here today. We praise because the cross means that we have been forgiven and set free. We praise because Jesus Christ has overcome sin and pain and death. He conquered it all. And by rising from the dead on ascending, he ascended into heaven where he is now ruling and reigning. We praise because he promised that he's going to come back. He's the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings, and he has promised to come back to make right all things. He is worthy of all our praise.